Hey everybody, it's me, James Reese, once again. Thanks again for tuning in to the Cerebral Fit Podcast. And I am recording this from my alma mater of Texas Tech University. I'm actually out here in the rec fields. Um, I just got done, you know, done doing my other side gig for the moment. And I was actually down here earlier today. I did my Sunday run. Went very, very well. Very well. And, of course, you know, after I did the run, went home, grocery shopped, ate breakfast, all that stuff, and did the favorite thing. And had a bit of a, I guess, moment when I was driving and doing that and felt that I needed to just record. You know, and that's what I mentioned in the last episode. And thanks again for tuning into that episode, if you did, and the other episodes. But the fact of the matter is, is that... Yeah, I just need to record, you know. I do a lot, uh, do a lot of driving. So when I drive, I do tend to get into autopilot and think about a lot of different things. And so one of them being, I guess, TSA. I don't know what really kind of brought that on, but TSA came to mind. And so I'm actually moving because I got too many people. I don't want people like, what's this guy doing? I'm actually at the United Spirit Arena. Just kind of wanted to be in nature for a bit. It's, been, it's kind of a nice day here in Lubbock, Texas. Um, a little breezy, sunny, a little humid, but bearable. So, nonetheless, uh, I'm right here. But, um, well, first things first, I know I mentioned TSA, but I'll get into that here shortly, along with favor. But, uh, what was the week before this? Well, I turned 35 uh, years young this week, so that was nice. Um, did a lot of celebrating, did a lot of, you know, just had fun, relaxed. Work was good work. Did well with my clients. Um, but when you have a week like you do, typically, and I'm just speaking for myself here, but when I have, you know, a, a birthday week, along those lines, it's on a, it celebrates an anniversary of you, I, I really did get very reflective what I accomplished you know during throughout that year so I in turn thought a lot about what I accomplished as a 34 year old and and I really just it was a good time to do that had a lot of conversations with myself internally about what I want to do as a 35 year old and you know what I want to make happen not wait to happen and so that was the big I guess moment that I had with myself several times throughout this week and I mean you know I guess amidst all that it, it made me look back at the fact that it has been over a year since I have left Department of Homeland Security IETSA and you know I really thought about how it positively and negatively affected me from the stance of just from I guess a health perspective mental and physically um for those that are a part of the uninitiated who don't know about that culture, that agency, it's very much, in my own opinion, description, very kind of quasi-military, quasi, it operates in that function where you have different shifts, there's a lot of, you know, 2000, 2200, a lot of stuff um, that is borrowed from that system. Then again, it, you know, it's comprised of a lot of former military members, so course it's a natural progression for them to carry on a lot of what they 
conducted in the military to something like, you know, TSA, DHS, whatever. So that was very much a, you know, I, I joined TSA, and I'll go to the beginning here, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I joined them when I was about 23, 24 years old, so going on about 10, yeah, 10 years ago was when I uh, officially took the oath of a United States federal officer to do that, which was a big deal for me then because I was one year into grad school. I was looking to venture into something that was more related from a uh, job perspective that was related to what I was doing in graduate school, which was forensic sciences. So, and of course, um, my goal at the time was to work for the Secret Service as a special agent officer. And so I felt the TSA was a, a very good stepping stone into that. So needless to say, I applied in 2007, um, took the test, I passed, got placed in the applicant pool, and I had to wait two more years because of just what was going on at the time with the federal government with freezes and whatnot. So they could only hire so much. And when I finally got the call in May of 2009, I was really ecstatic because the timing couldn't have been better. I had officially given my notice to my job at the time at the Child Development Research Center that I was moving on. I was gonna find something else, hook or crook, and then just you know, out of the blue, I get that Gmail, uh, Gmail notification from the Department of Homeland Security saying that I had been picked up and you know, it was time to get to work. So I started my training that month and it was very um, interesting to get into that aspect of, of a work life considering that prior to that I only worked uh, at a daycare on a school bus, washing school buses. So this was very much my first big boy job, if you will. And the training was very intense to a degree in, in regards to the subject matter. It was, you know, you had to know a lot. It was an SOP, uh, machines, just all sorts of things that you basically had to memorize. And for a lot of people, that's pretty daunting. And I suppose to a degree it was with me, but I want, you know, I wasn't gonna stop. It was a part-time job that had full federal benefits, paid me $17, $18 an hour. Uh, yeah, that's, that's something you don't shy away from then or now and so going through the training process for that required you know some some a lot of time you know from you know my girlfriend at the time time from you know schoolwork that type of thing so I could get the job done learn everything I needed to know so that when I went in into my OJT which stands for on the job training that I was well prepared so of course um the one thing that I had to get used to off the bat was the wake up time. So in the gut, when in TSA, at least, you know, in my experience, I worked three shifts, first, first shift, second shift, third sh and a split shift, graveyard. Uh, first shift was the one I was on the most. That essentially called for waking up at 2.30 every in the morning, five days a week, sometimes more, and work till about 12, 1 o'clock, depending on what they would change. Now, every now and then, you know, that 2.30 would turn into 2 or 3, depending on flight times. But, you know, for me, I was, you know, much younger, but it was still very, you know, tough to get up at that time because, you know, I wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to hang out and spend time with my girlfriend, and I didn't have weekends off. So, you know, of course, I thought I could 
muster up and you know soldier through by getting two to three hours of sleep a night which in hindsight was probably one of the dumbest things that I ever did because now as a personal trainer fitness you know fitness professional I can tell you that if you're getting two to three hours a night I'm sorry you're doing yourself with this you know you're you're really putting your body um, through something by not sleeping as crazy as that sounds and despite the fact that, yeah, I was at the gym four to five times a week, you know, hitting it hard, my body wasn't recovering the way it should have been. And I've, talked, I've touched upon this numerous times, but this was certainly the case with me, and it's still certainly the case now whenever I'm, you know, having a week where I'm not getting enough sleep. And so I was on first shift for several years. So no matter how much... I tried in the gym, you know, weight-wise, and even from a nutritional standpoint, I kind of was in this little, like, physically, like, I just wasn't doing anything, and, I mean, yeah, I was strong, but I wasn't near the level I could have been, and that was something from a mental standpoint, now that I look back on it, that really wasn't good for me because mentally I was going willingly putting myself through a rabbit hole which like most rabbit holes has a lot of positive and negative energy and you know now that I'm out of been out of it for about a year I'm looking at things through a certain well I say certain but a different type of lens and man it just it really changed who I was and put me on a path that I don't regret taking, but it's, I'm at this point now, and this is why I'm doing it, where I can talk about it in a very clear manner and not have to worry about repercussions from, you know, supervisors, managers, whatever. And so, you know, there was a lot of negative energy about that and just, you know, man, it was amazing that I was able to really get through that. And so, you know, the good thing about getting through that was the fact that I made some good friends along the way who would wake up, you know, you know, do that 2, 3 a.m. wake up call. We'd, we'd, we'd get through it five days a week. We'd nap during the afternoon and whatever. But it's real difficult when you're 20 years old. I say, I say real difficult. You know, it's a choice. You know, I could have been... Oh, got to be in bed by six or seven. But I mean, I was, I was 20 something years old. I, you know, had a girlfriend. I wanted to hang out with my friends, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, it's a choice. Of course, I could have said, no, honey, I'm, I'm going to call it a night. It's 530. It's time to go to bed, which, you know, I guess in hindsight, maybe I should have done that. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I made my decision and, you know, I, I had to live with it and work with it. But you know, the negative aspect of, I guess, all of that is that, you know, I feel it just didn't help me mentally in terms of trying to keep a positive attitude, especially just, you know, that job is very selfless. And there is a lot that is put into that job, despite the fact that what you'll read in the tabloids or media or YouTube videos or blogs or whatever. But there's a lot of good people within the TSA organization. Um, and of course, there's a lot of bad people. That's any it's any it's any anywhere
So when you run into a lot of those individuals who kind of bring that negative energy, you know, it tends to create a negative working environment and it sucks. You don't want to work. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. You're miserable, whatever. So of course, you know, you know, I'm a human being. So sometimes I would take that energy with me, you know, into my personal life, which was a big mistake and so forth. But, you know, when you get those opportunities, you know, to, to try and advance, you do so. And that was what I, I focused on was just, I guess, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, trying to get into the Secret Service, trying to make it, you know, and people would tell me from within the government, you know, oh, James, you're, you know, you're, you're in shape, you know, you're, well, not, <laughs> they thought I was in shape. Now that I look back on it, maybe I wasn't, you know, you're educated, you know, whatever, you're smart, you can do this, yeah, put forth the work. However, um, now that I've look back on it with a different, as I mentioned ago, different set of lens. I mean, there was just, I don't think I stood a chance. Reason B, in terms of advancement, I didn't stand a chance in advancing just because of just who I am. Um, you go through a dozen job interviews throughout the years, and on paper you look great as an applicant for being an officer, law enforcement, intelligence and all that, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's a very different culture and if you don't fit into a certain culture subculture whatever whether it be the criminal justice system specific specifically law enforcement state local whatever um, and this really is across the board in my opinion but if you don't fit in it you're gonna have a very difficult time you have to be willing to conform and I thought I could I've made myself a person try to make my, you know, mold my personality, able to do that, but the fact of the matter is, it didn't work, and I guess, you know, if you could hear that sigh, maybe, I do regret that, because it did cost me a lot, um, in interpersonal relationships, um, romantic relationships, um, that I got so blinded by just chasing something that wasn't a pipe dream, but it very well might have been and like everything else in life you had to learn the easy way the hard way of how things are and so you know for so long I, I just really put myself through mentally and physically a, a lot of stuff that just was just not good you know and I will be jumping all over the place, but, you know, about, was it 2013, I finally put in my transfer for uh, Seattle, Washington to leave there, to, to go there and work there, because personally, professionally here, I was drowning, you know, I'm just being analytical, of course, but I just had to go, um, there really wasn't, it, it's not that there wasn't anything for me here, there was, there was a lot of things here for me, especially at that time, but I just had to go. And I don't know what would have happened if I didn't transfer. I may not even be around. Um, you know, there was a lot of depression during that time, a lot of anger. And when you're, you're filled with all that negative energy, that makes you do a lot of dumb crap. <laughs> and so leaving on my own like I did, and I've talked about this before, and I'm sure I'll talk about it again, but it's one of the best decisions I've ever done. It was an easy decision, but it was also hard in some aspects. It was hard leaving my family and friends behind, not seeing them for a while, which, 
you know, when you're gone for a little over a year, a little under a year, what it felt like, it, it didn't feel like that. It felt like numerically it was that, was it nine months, 10 months of shit? I'm, I'm starting to forget now. <laughs> um, but it felt like much longer. And when you're doing that, you're going through, you're putting yourself, you know, when I was up there, I put myself through a lot of stuff mentally and physically that I never had done before. And so, way to kind of just push myself and really see who I was to find myself, if you will. And I hate to use that cliche, but it's essentially what happened. Um, professionally, of course, I was in a bigger tank, a bigger, you know, and I was still that small fish. So there was a lot more fish with me. And, you know, the rat race up there was real evident. Couldn't trust anybody, that type of thing, which was fine. And, you know, I still molded myself to be capable of, just to conform and whatnot, but obviously it didn't lead to that, you know, they just, uh, they get to know me, they shake my hand, they smile, and at the end of the process, they're like, more often than not, eh, I don't know if he's one of us, and that's the, in my opinion, that's just kind of what happened, they saw, they saw the surface of me, they had in front of them on a piece of paper detailing about it. They didn't know me. And then, you know, they got to know me and realized, well, maybe, maybe he really isn't one of the best choices. And maybe, you know, know, maybe that was, honestly, I think at this point, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. It just, I hate to use the word, it wasn't meant to be, but maybe it was supposed to be that way. I go, learn a lot about who I am, what they are, the system's like and then ultimately just figure hey that's not me I'm I should be doing something else and I hate to use you know I hate to, I hate to even use that term meant to be but I, I don't my idea in life even since I was a little kid or just even had a notion of what you know helping people was was to help people but there's a lot of ways you can help a person right and so I, I leave Seattle with the intention of becoming a member of the Corpus Christi PD as a forensics team member. But at that same time, I was also going through the application process for the special agent position within the Secret Service. That was the farthest I've ever gotten with them. And I got the job in Corpus Christi, but ultimately turned it down because deep within myself, I knew this is what I didn't want to be there. You know, it was the job I wanted, but it wasn't the it wasn't the place I wanted to be. Now, of course, people could make the argument. People did make the argument. Well, you got to start from somewhere. Okay. But deep inside myself, everything in my gut told me not to do that. So I didn't. Uh, left him a voicemail saying thanks, but no thanks. Short story. The Secret Service thing didn't work out either because, once again, I don't like to lie. And I wasn't going to lie to them. So, you know, you go to, I went to take the, I guess, uh, lie detector test, whatever you want to call it, junk science, in my opinion. (laughs) And, um, you know, you got to answer a lot of questions. So I answered the questions truthfully. And then there was one question that was like, have you ever been around marijuana? She was like, of course I have. I was in TSA, I always found it. And then I have a lot of friends who partake. When was the last time you were around it? And a few months ago. Oh, really? Did you, did, you, did, you, did you smoke? No, I didn't smoke. The government, man, I'm trying to get a job. Of course, why would I do that? I mean, I looked at the devices. Oh, I've never seen this before. Oh, you touched it? Oh, that's so bad. 
And I am, and I'm kind of giving you the, the nutshell version of it, but it was that kind of crap that just like, man, the writing was on the wall. That was the point I figured. I, I just, I can't be me. Even in the application process, and even if I got into it, and they said, James Reese, you know, welcome to the Secret Service, whatever. I don't, I think ultimately I wouldn't have been happy, even though that was something I was chasing for so long and made myself that way. And people, let me tell you, if you this is just my case, there might be some people out there, you know, you're here in the wind right now, I'm trying to move into a more, less windy location, but when you, you put yourself in that position where you want something so bad and you will go out and make it happen, you, you transform into almost another person, another side of you comes out, which not saying that that side isn't a fake side or not, it is a part of who I am, but when you go to 10 job interviews and then eight out of those 10 job interviews, one of the questions is, can you take another human life? And you say yes right off the bat and you mean it, that's saying something well, A, about the job, but B, about who that per the person answering that question. So that says a lot about me and where my head was at. And that's food for thought right there. And, you know, I put myself, made myself that way. It's no one's fault, really. It's just how my life has gone. And so when you you know, with the civilians and other aspects of life that you walk into, people kind of just look at you a little differently and kind of weary around you. There is a reason people do that with me, even to this day, is because I'm just that, I still have that side of me that I can't turn off. And to be quite honest, I really don't want to turn that switch all the way off, especially in the world we live in now. So of course, I, I that didn't happen. I ended up getting back into the DHS TSA fold in 2015 in May, roughly around the time I, I joined. And, you know, first year or two, you know, I enjoyed it. But then, of course, I, I you know, got sucked into the negative energy of things. And around 2016 is when the seeds were planted for me to, to, to make my way out, to find my way out and do it. And so, of course, you know, I flirted with the idea of going back to school, you know, doing something else that I wasn't working for. As a, a friend of mine lives up in, Grand, you know, Colorado and Grand Junction is a public defender. She needed an investigator. I thought about going into that aspect of criminal justice. Um, same thing in terms of conforming. And that we're seeing a theme here, if you're still listening, but conforming. And I don't, we're, we're all conformists to a degree but I myself am someone that doesn't conform easily to a lot of different things. And that being one of them. Conforming to just something and some, you know, completely to that. That's just not what I do. You know, especially, you know, completely. Completely. And, you know, some way, somehow, I just kept looking back and thinking of that concept of, you know, do something you love and, you know, after a while, I thought, well, you know, I love fitness. It's a part that's keeping me sane. It's kept me healthy. You know, well, I thought healthy. <laughs> but uh, look into that, and, you know, here we are. And I and I look back at that time with TSA and DHS as, as, as you know, like I do most things. It had its good and bad moments. I don't regret it, for the most part. Um, would I change a few things? 
eh, what's the what's the typical answer you got out of this? I don't know. Maybe I'd change a few things, but I won't go into that detail. But the lifestyle, you know, from a health perspective, mental health perspective, and I say this to anyone who is listening who is still affiliated with TSA and DHS to keep your head up. It, it, it can be very much up. You know, this really can go for anybody, but there's a lot of positive and negative aspects of what you do. You have to push forward and embrace more of the positive and let go of the negative. Change the negative if you can. I did that, you know, starting in 2017 and 18. Change shifts, get more sleep. When I got more sleep, I was better off. Going from three to four hours to six hours a night makes a big difference. So, you know, for those friends of mine who are still in TSA, you know, I really, really suggest get more sleep. If you can get the chance to have a shift that, you know, enables you to get more sleep, please do it. You'll be better off for it. Sleep is extremely important. Extremely. Um, You know, but, you know, mentally it just... It didn't break me to the to the absolute worst level possible, but it certainly came close. Um, did it build up my character? I would say, for, you know, in the long run, yes, it did. It did. Um, I'm still very much can be a bit of a, a hard ass in terms of how I look at things. Even as a personal trainer in the fitness industry, you you, you know, even more now, I've, I've actually run into more professional jealousy than I ever did in the government. Not saying, I mean. I, just was a trainer instructor whatever but you know now I've run into more of the professional jealousy in in this field uh for dumb reasons but you know that's that's the fun thing about I guess this adventure called life is that you just run into certain things that you thought you would run in in one field but you're running it into this field so you know there you go But it's something this week that I just thought about. You know, it's been over a year since I've been gone. I don't miss it. I really, truly don't. I still keep in touch with a, you know, select group, few of them. I know getting off Facebook, you know, I lost touch with a lot of them. And, and as cold-hearted as this may sound, there's, you know, if I don't see a good portion of them for the rest of my life, you know, I'm not gonna lose any sleep over that. Um, you know, I wish them all the best. Whoever I stay in touch with that I allowed into my life and want them in my life, they're going to stay in my life. So that's just how that goes. But, you know, in the long run, as the story goes, you know, it helped me make, it's a part of who I was and am, but it doesn't define me. It's not the overall definition of who James Matthew Ruiz is part of the story but it's not the story and you know who's to say what could have who what could have been you know if everything went way the way I thought I wanted it to go who's to say what could have been there's no telling I wouldn't be doing this I know that I wouldn't be <laughs> having a podcast about fitness or maybe who knows maybe I would have in some crazy way but you know there's no telling there's really no telling about that but, you know, the thing is, and this is kind of where I'm getting nearing the conclusion of this, but, you know, like today, for instance, I had a bad day on favor. I've been having a lot of bad days on favor. 
you know, the, the gig life is how it is right now in terms of popularity, in terms of making your own hours, being an independent contractor. That's a growing trend. It's going to be go growing for a little while. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that do I enjoy doing it? No. Do I have to do it? Yes. Personal training life, the independent contracting life is not easy in terms of having consistent work and keeping people because life happens. You lose clients due to injury, finances, that type of stuff. That was this week. That was some of the bad things that happened this week. That's reality. So, of course, I have to get on back to that favor run route and make some, some money. And, of course, today was just one of those really miserable days where I'm sitting here in my car just closing my eyes thinking, I really hate this. It reminded me back to the days when I was in TSA closing my eyes and saying, I really hate this. But at the end of the day, you have to, if you hate something that much, you have to change it. Because if I wasn't going to change it, I was going to be miserable and there, there's no telling mentally and physically what that would have done to me. See what I'm saying? So right now, with favor just being a complete shit show of a, of a gig, it, it really is. And if anybody from favor is listening to this, get a better app. But right now, I want to change that. So I am changing that keeping it close to the shoulder what I am you know working on to change that so I don't have to log into favor for two to three hours a day to go and make some money if it causes me to work harder as a trainer as a, as a would-be instructor then so be it because now I have the ability I have the time the commodity of time put forth my intelligence, my will, and my desire to be successful. It ain't easy. I'm going to tell you that right now. But if you want it bad enough, at least give it a try. So, anyways, I have said enough. I have ranted enough. Thanks again for everyone for listening. I'm not too sure if I'll put the advertisement on for this. I keep this podcast as bare bones as possible. I'm sure I'll put it at the very beginning or maybe at the end. Yeah, I'll put it at the end so you can just listen through that and I'll get one penny. I actually get one penny for every person that listens to that. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying that, but I don't care. So anyways, it's a nice day. There's football playing on the television right now. I got three fantasy teams. I need to go and keep an eye on that. I got a meal prep for tonight. Get ready for the rest of the week. Um, shout outs, shout outs. Uh, shout out to everybody. Wish me happy your birthday. It was a good birthday. I appreciate it. 35 years young, not 35 years old, because I don't feel old. I don't know what old feels like. I'm sure I will eventually, but I don't feel old now. Happy birthday to uh, several people who have September birthdays. Haley Word, Jan, she, uh, one of my very dear friends. She had a birthday a few days before mine, so happy birthday, Haley. Uh, Kara Stevenson, I think she listens to this. I don't know. Happy birthday, Karen. <laughs> I doubt it. She listens to this, but happy birthday regardless. Lucinda Garcia, my cousin up in Seattle, Washington. I think has, oh, I can't remember if she's a day. She had a birthday the day after mine or before mine. Happy birthday, cousin. And uh, happy birthday, everybody else I forgot to mention. Um, but nonetheless, uh, touch upon something. Oh, my training. My training is going well. I am doing very well my mild my mild time is, is, is 
getting better and better. My footing, my breathing, everything is becoming getting better. And I've been here at Texas Tech a lot more training here, running the 5K route, getting ready for that, getting my footing better. I, I'm feeling an old muscle memory kickback from when I was really running about four or five years ago. But I'm also approaching it from a more intelligent uh, perspective in terms of as a, as a trainer, you know, bracing my core more where I'm landing, breathing wise. And so I feel very confident that I'm heading in the right direction. So, you know, the Spartan race is still very much long ways away. But before you know it, it'll be here. And I want to be as absolutely ready as possible as I can for it. Uh, 5Ks along the way are going to come and go. I'm going to be ready for those too. You know, when you bring out the competitor in me, well, you'll see. You will all see. I'm James Reese. This is Cerebral Fit. I'll catch y'all down the road. Adios. Thank you.